Calvary Cast listeners, episode 114 coming at you on a muggy Wednesday afternoon. I'm Graham and he's Jess and you are along for a ride. Yeah, anybody listening in the South or Florida probably hear us say muggy and get angry (laughs) with us. What do you mean 12% humidity? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but inside our buildings with these dumb swamp colors, it's more like 80% humidity. It feels like it, so it's a little bit, I feel kind of... Yeah. Well, I just looked at the thermostat in here at 70 because the the cooler... Is it 70? Yeah, the coolers can't break down below 70 when it's this humid. And I saw the storm clouds and stuff over on that mm -hmm. side. It looks nice. So we're getting... But we're getting all that humidity from it. It's not that bad. The problem is is we don't have my fan on right now because if we had my fan on, it'd help, but it would create this annoying noise in the background. So we've shut it off for the lovely listeners to not hear... (laughs) Yeah, and I'm drinking hot chocolate, which isn't helping the <laughs> cause at all. I was drinking a smoothie earlier because I needed a little more fruit and veggie in my diet today. There so you go. Nice. We are both here with our facial hair. Yes. We have not. We didn't make any take changes. The mustache plunge. No, we did not. My wife said she would sponsor us with cookies to shave down to the mustache. Oh, really? And then she didn't. You know, like, could we do that as a show? Like. As one of these podcasts, like Here, oh, oh. We'll, sh- she'll bring the cookies and then we'll shave our <laughs> shave on hair <laughs> I think that's that was that was designed for uh, a podcast. Yeah. yeah, here's what we could do: if we get the cookie sponsorship and we do a live podcast in front of an audience someday, then maybe we'd shave. I don't know mustache. if I can do it. I don't know the mustache. It just would feel weird, especially in front of other people. Oh, I would be so awkward. It'd be like. I could do it when I before I go on my vacation because then, like, let's say I do it before and nobody's going to see me. I know. And I'm gone for a week or so. Yeah, because that is the one, if you shave, I go to a drastic change like that. Yeah. Then people look at you, everybody just laugh. Plus, if you don't like it, you've got time to just grow back your stubble beard. You I was know? thinking about this, though. To be a trendsetter would not be to have a mustache because everybody has a mustache right now. Yeah. How about the reverse mustache? Just shave off the mustache uh-huh. and then leave the rest of my beard. Yeah. What well, like a, a true, oh, the whole rest of your beard. I'll leave everything else. Just shave off the mustache. That would, now that would look ridiculous. That's not even a thing. <laughs> it is if you're Wolverine. You can do. Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> In college, I did. For a time, I just had this chin strap thing. <laughs> it looked so bad. <laughs> yeah, you could do like the... Well, I've always thought of that when you shave the mustache, you do like the traditional goatee thing where you just have the the goatee Just part. the goatee. Yeah. And you look like, yeah, you, you you were cool in 2003. Yeah. If you had just like the little goatee thing on the bottom, maybe a soul patch or something like that. Yeah. I, I guess, know. man. But some people are listening to this. They're like, what are yeah, these guys there, talking Well, some of them are like, can we just get on can to we what just we're get talking on about? To and so and no, point. you can't. This is part of the pot. I said at the beginning, you're all along for the ride, and this is the ride. That's right. And now the people that are Calvary Cast Plus subscribers, they know what we're talking about because they right. listened to last week's episode. They're up. They're in on the on the little jokes we have running, That's things right. like that. So it, Yeah, you're along for the ride, so sit down, buckle up, and shut up, <laughs> and hang on tight. <laughs> and with that... <laughs> Topic of the day. Today it is 
what, Sir Jess? We're piggybacking on our series in Romans 8, plus what we talked about last week on the podcast. This is a piggyback on a piggyback on a piggyback. That's right. Because it we're talking about mortifying sin. Yes. And... Um, well, we talked about that last time, but we're talking right. about we're piggybacking on that, right? Which is a piggyback off of my sermon. Yes. Yeah. And last week, what was it? We were thinking about okay, how do we how do we do that? Like we're just fleshing more... out the practical ways that we mortify sin in our lives. Yeah. And then um, now this week, though, one thing we didn't t- touch too much on last week, or maybe at all, was the idea of. Um, First of all, well, let me put it this way. This idea of pursuing holiness, sanctification, and putting to death sin is done by faith. Just as justification is by faith, so too sanctification is by faith. So we're trusting in the Lord. We're trusting in the finished work of Christ. We're trusting in the Spirit's power. We're trusting God, right? And one thing in our book of the month, so it's also tying into our book of the month. Yes, we've just got so many connections here. I know it's it just a lot of connections. The it's bruised, like a Russian nesting doll of podcast topics. That's right. The bruised read by Richard Sibbs, Puritan author, and he's talking about this idea of, um, well, he calls it in this chapter, "Grace shall reign." And the idea is that Christ's government within us Mm -hmm. will be victorious, Mm -hmm. meaning that victory for us over sin is certain. Yes. It will happen. Yes. And that's not just, we can all, we would all say, well, yeah, when I'm glorified and sin's removed, then final victory there. Or yeah, victory and providing me forgiveness. But no, what he's really going at here is trying to encourage the bruise read, right, mm-hmm. um, in, in their battle against sin, mm-hmm. and that by faith you must believe that Christ's reign in you, his government in you, will be victorious over sin now. You will grow. You will gain um, victory over indwelling sin. Now, let me just interrupt here. You're not talking about sinless perfection, though, are you? No. I didn't think so. I knew that. But I just thought I'd ask That's for right. somebody who... That question might arise, because we are talking about such confidence and assurance that you can have that there will be progress and growth, but that doesn't lead to perfectionism. Yeah. We're, not, we're not saying that. You have to have that assurance or that faith um, that there's going to be progress. Right. And that sin's defeated and you can defeat sin or you won't be able to defeat sin. Now, some people that would, would potentially disagree with us a little bit on this as well, they would say, well, then how much progress, how much growth? Yeah. But that's when I would re- read to them the cup I have before me. I'd agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong, right? <laughs> they can disagree with us, but I wouldn't do them any good or us any but, good. But the reason is, is again, the, the, the scriptures are, are what we're going to talk about today. There's this confidence this will happen, but we're not given qualitative, quantitative right. amounts of how much it will. It just is going to happen. Yeah, and we know, I don't even think that needs to be the focus. No. Um, it's, the focus is putting to death the deeds of the body by the spirit yes. putting to death the, the sin that we become aware of saying no to ungodly desire saying yes to god 
that becomes the focus. Mm-hmm. Not so much this, okay, how much have I been enabled to do mm-hmm. that or what I have, you know, um, because we're always going to see failure. And that, and by the, I, I'll reaffirm what we said. None of this victory is full and final until glorification. Yes. Yep. But if we don't have the mind that we have victory over sin, that God both wants us to be holy and enables us to be holy, and that the purpose of Christ's death is that we would be before God holy and blameless before him. If we don't have those things in our mind, then we've already lost before right. we began, right? There's something to starting from a place of victory yes. in terms of in our minds. That's right. In order to make practical uh growth in our lives. You know, first John five, four, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Right. Right. Here's this assurance. This is going to happen. Think of how victorious that is already. Yes. Yep. Um, one other quote on this real quick, when you're talking about that, there is this going to be brought to come to completion. Um, Sib said this, he said the victory over corruption or temptation is a pledge of final victory. And he goes on to say, heaven is ours already. Only we strive till we have full possession. That's right. And that's part in the striving, which some Christians would say we shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. They would say things like let let go and let God or, um, you know, it shouldn't be this hard or whatever mm-hmm. it is. That just goes against everything you read in Scripture about the idea of what the Christian life is what like. What the Christian life is like and becoming holy and battling our sin. But in the, under the heading of that victory, Richard Sib says, the victory over corruption or temptation is a pledge of final victory. As Joshua said when he set his foot upon the five kings whom he conquered, thus shall the Lord do to all your enemies. Heaven is ours already, only we strive till we have full possession, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the other one here, I was going to say this before we go yep. on to this next mm-hmm. part we're going to talk about. Christ at length will fulfill his purpose in us. And faith rests assured of it. And this assurance is very operative, stirring us up to join with Christ in his purposes. So is what he's doing here, he's drawing a connection between essentially the assurance of salvation we have being a motiv- 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 motivating, I, I joined two words, modification, <laughs> modifying, just created a new word. Anyway. He, it's encouraging us to obedience and holiness, right? That's right. Yeah, it is. And it, I I found that even as I went through this chapter, I was feeling invigorated to pursue holiness because, and that is the faith that rests assured of, yeah. assured of it, it, that Christ will fulfill his purpose in us. Yep. And Paul could say with confidence, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion yep. at the day of Jesus Christ. And he knew throughout that whole time until that day, God would be working in them. Yeah. But here's really where we were going with yes. this. So we started with that assurance of victory and um, that kind of that hoorah mentality of faith that Jesus has conquered so we can conquer our sins. Um, grace will not have dominion over us because we're not under law, but we're under sin grace. Will not or sin dominion. will not because we're not under law, but we're under grace. But then what Sibs does here, and that's this is what struck me, and I just wanted us to have a conversation about it. It's uh, it's under a heading that's, that says, Why the Enemy Seems Victorious. So now we're talking about Christians who are battling their sins, but they're experiencing defeat. 
every Christian. Which is every single Christian, right? right? And he puts here, objection, if this is so, that is Christ's victory as ours, and we put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit, and we can have confidence in this. Why is it thus with the church of God and with many a gracious Christian, the victory seems to be with the enemy? Yeah. He has this illustration before this, which I think helps picture this, right? He says, the winds may toss the ship wherein Christ is. So he's picturing us like a ship Mm -hmm. on stormy seas being tossed. But Christ is within us, but it does not overturn it. The waves may dash against the rock where the waves, here comes the waves, or where the rock, the waves are crashing against us but they only break themselves against us. That's what we feel like in our Christian life. And it, at, at times, when your life is like the ship being tossed in the sea, it feels like the enemy is victorious. Yes. So, why is this? Yeah. Well, um, we can give his four, these four reasons, but also we can interject on our own, His too. four reasons are really good. They're pretty good, yes. Very good. That's why we wanted to share them, right? Um. The first one, he says, is this, that God's children usually, in their troubles, overcome by suffering. So here lambs overcome lions and doves, eagles, by suffering, that herein they may be conformable to Christ, who conquered most when he suffered most. So he's in essence saying... Look at your Savior. Yes. Right? Like, he suffered the most, and in that, won the greatest victory. Yeah. Why would you not ever think that victory wouldn't be won through your suffering? Yeah, and in Hebrews it says that Jesus was made perfect by his suffering. Yes. Not that he was imperfect morally or that he had sinned, but th- the suffering uh, has a perfecting effect in us. And so... If we're discouraged in that and we're undergoing suffering and even within the suffering there's failure or there or we're not who we think we should be or what have you to know that this is what God is doing in order to help us mortify the deeds of the body by the spirit's power. Yeah. yeah. I think is really important. Well, Hebrews 12, we'll probably talk, maybe touch on this multiple times because that's probably the passage that fits the best with this. Mm. You know, but Hebrews 12 talks about discipline, and discipline can either be uh, the Lord's chastening hand, right, a yeah. consequence for our sin, or sometimes it's just suffering that we experience yes. in our lives, and those are means by which the Lord grows us. feels like we're going backwards, but we're, he's growing us in it. That we're going forward. So we can't trust our feelings in this area. Mm-hmm. Um because it's not going to often feel like we're having victory. Yeah. I think that's one of the points that he's making here. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, let me say all say this. We've, we I forgot to say it in the beginning. We're not to to give us encouragement um, in battling sin and in our failures, especially. Sibs is not giving us permission to sin or causing us to just go. Oh well, I blew it today. No biggie, right? right. right. There's no hint of that mm-hmm. in any Puritan writing, but even in this, it's more, he's speaking to those who are truly born again, wanting to follow God, wanting to be holy, wanting to be like Jesus, and they find that they're falling and failing at times, and that's become so discouraging. And we've talked about that before, that discouragement leads to despair and giving up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's trying to help you not give up. Yeah, you know, keep on fighting. 
So secondly, then he said this, this victory that we gain is by degrees and therefore they are too hasty spirited that would conquer as soon as they strike the first stroke and be at the end of their race at the first setting forth. <laughs> See, the idea is... I, I love that. I do too. It's like God's plan for this was for our imperfection to remain in place. Yeah. So part of the plan of growing us is still having indwelling sin that nags us and sometimes gains the foothold in victory in a, in a moment or in a time right. period. And we get discouraged and want to give up, but this is the way God does it. Yeah. He wants us to fight little by little and little. And it's the same as with Israel. When they were brought into the land, there were enemies there. They conquered little by little by little. I mean, God could have just driven them all out. Yep. Uh, but he didn't. He yep. used the fighting of the Israelites by faith, the little by little by little to conquer Yes. These areas in our in in well, I was going to say in their our, our lives, but that's the corresponding illustration yeah. here. Is that in our lives we've got the indwelling sin, we've got the enemies, and God uses the process. We would all love it to just be over in a minute. Uh, we, I mean, any true Christian wishes mm-hmm. that. Uh, there was an element of glorification in us now. Yes. Any true Christian that is battling with sin wishes that the those in the Keswick movement were right, the holiness movement of you can be perfected through a second blessing or a sec- second experience of grace or a baptism in the Holy Spirit or whatever mm-hmm. it is, and now all of a sudden all your struggle with sin is over. Yeah. Uh, but the majority of Christians in history have never seen it that way, and no one's ever truly experienced that. Right. No, and, and understanding this point is important because we do we do become discouraged by the on the long <laughs> the long lasting effects and patterns of sin in our lives, right? That they just continue to go on and on and on and on and on. And so here he's saying, like, yeah, yeah, you're not gonna win this. This is a marathon. Yeah. This is an ultra marathon. That's right. And you got to prepare for the long haul. So you prepare your mind. That way then when you when you do fall into sin in which which we all do or fall into the same patterns, you don't have to be destroyed by it, that's right? right. Yep. And, and again, that's not excusing or saying it doesn't matter. I'm not saying that at all. Right. But you realize like this is a long journey. The Lord's not choosing to deliver me from this overnight. Yeah. And he's providing me the grace for each moment. That's right. Yeah, he goes on to say, the Israelites were sure of their victory in their journey to Canaan, yet they must fight it out. God would not have us quickly forget what cruel enemies Christ has overcome for us. In other words, part of this process and part of this requiring us to fight it out, and even part of the loss in that when we sin, when we fail, we feel those things, it teaches us to hate sin more and more, yes. which is what we're supposed to do. Yes. We are supposed to hate it. Yes. We are supposed to long to be rid of sin in our lives. Yes. So that by the time we come to the end of our lives, one of the greatest things we should be looking forward to is the actual feeling and experience of perfect righteousness and holiness. Uh, and largely because if we think about it, holiness is happiness. Mm. What I mean by that is... Christians are most happy when they are living holy lives, mm-hmm. when they're living lives in communion with God, when they're living lives of obedience. And we are most unhappy when we're not. Yes. And you brought this out in your sermon. I think Piper was talking about something like that. It, the general, what do you say, the malaise of malaise. many Christians, just the idea that they're, because they're not mortifying their sin. Right. 
And it's not maybe that they're living in just total, complete um, rebellion against God, yeah, yeah or pursuit of pleasure, but they're just not taking sin seriously. And so they don't have the joy of holiness and of righteousness. And so uh, the Lord leaves the fight there so that we hate the enemy. Yeah. Uh, I want to bring out the last thing he says in this little paragraph about this. Uh, he talks about the annoyance. He says that about the annoyance that we have of sin remaining in us. Mm. And he brings out this point that that the Lord allows that to happen, that we might be kept in fear to come under its power. Mm. Right? Like you think about the ongoing annoyance that sin is in your life. Yeah. And he's saying uh, that there's a sense of, of you don't want to become under the power of sin. And that, little bit of of it still nagging within you mm-hmm. kind of keeps that where you're like, I don't want to be controlled by this thing. Yeah. And it, and it keeps, so, so that in turn uh, instills in us a dependence upon God mm. so that there's a desperation and dependence each day. And the more we think about this, the more we put ourselves to this and the more dependence we'll have so that we're crying out to the Lord in the morning Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, we're crying out in the afternoon. Uh, hold me, keep me, stir up my affections to you so I don't sin this afternoon. Hold me back from my presumptuous sins. We're praying these things throughout the day. Yes. Our prayer is of dependence on God to not sin. Even uh, some get into the habit, which is good, of, you know, you, you're you on your way home from work or something, and let's say you usually have a tendency to be irritable, angry. You're pausing actually before you're coming in the home and you're asking God just very quickly, you know, Jesus has conquered these sins. I don't want this to reign over me. Help me to walk in this home and respond to whatever chaotic thing is happening, especially if you got kids or whatever, and to do so by the spirit. And by that, you're putting to death the deeds of the body. But it's producing this dependence on God yeah. through it all. Uh, thirdly, his third point, God often works by contraries. When he means to give victory, he will allow us to be foiled at first. When he means to comfort, he will terrify first. When he means to justify, he will condemn us first. When he means to make us glorious, he will abase us first. What is he saying there? Well, think about this. Before God saves and justifies a person, what does the Spirit do? The Spirit can convinces Mm -hmm. or convicts them of sin, Mm -hmm. convicts them of sin and righteousness and judgment, brings them under the fear of the law. And then God saves them and, and uh, comforts them and, and forgives them and such. But there is an, uh, a sense in which even as you continue to walk down the pilgrim journey, right? When he wants to give his victory or he's about to give his victory, he allows us to be foiled at first, he says, or to fail essentially, uh, and when he does that, it humbles us, it, it abases us, as he says. And then as we turn to him in faith over this particular sin, he then helps us and conquers. Hmm. So he says a Christian conquers even when he is conquered. And interesting, oh, this is the part we were talking yeah, about earlier. Yeah. He says when he is conquered by some sins, he gets victory over others more dangerous, such as spiritual pride and security. And so he's just trying to bring out in very short paragraphs, like all of the ways in which this happens. But if you think about 
when you sin, you're conquered by that sinful flesh. And you're like, what in the world? And what good could this possibly serve? And how can God be working this together for my good to allow me to fail or whatever? And But what he's saying is God will even use that to help you conquer other sins. So you got conquered by one sin, but that being conquered actually conquered another sin like pride. Right. You don't, you're not, you are very well aware that you are not perfect. That's right. <laughs> and that you, you have lots of issues to deal with in your life. So you're humbled. That's right. It's a humble. So, so look at how he does all this. Look at how he works all this together and um, even works our failures out so that, so that he is get, gets the glory and he's wor- he is truly working all things together for our good. So I thought that was a good one. I think it's a great point. And then fourthly, Christ's work both in the church and in the hearts of Christian often goes backwards so that it may go forward better. And when I read that line, I thought of Chuck Schwindel's book, Three Steps Forward, Two Steps Back, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, it goes backwards so that it can go forward better. And I think in, in there's part of this that it's connecting it almost to what he just said. Like even in our setbacks or what have you, uh, he says, when we are foiled, let us believe we shall overcome. When we have fallen, let us believe we shall rise again. Mm-hmm. It's actually, he uses it to progress us in our faith. Right. And John Piper talks about this in his book, When I Don't Desire God. He talks about this idea of gutsy guilt. Hmm. And he's quoting from, um, is it Malachi? When I sit in darkness... Or rejoice not over me, my enemy. When I have fallen, I will rise again. Mm-hmm. When I sit in darkness, you will be a light to me. And you're looking for the Lord's deliverance even in that fallenness. It's mm-hmm. almost like a lament that begins lamenting the sin but then ends in faith with um, that God's victory is certain over us. So he actually uses the uh, going backwards to move us forward. It's, it's, there's a death that has to happen in order for life. It's a pruning effect. That's right. Right. He, he uses the illustration of a seed rotting in the ground, but then during the winter, but then after the winter, it comes up stronger and better. You know, that's, that's, that's what's happening in us. Right. And so he says this, he says, so let us never give up, but in our thoughts, knit the beginning progress and end together and then we shall see ourselves in heaven out of the reach of all enemies in other words get a big picture perspective of your battle with sin your whole battle of sin isn't isn't um summed up in a moment of time in which you obeyed or disobeyed god but see the big picture of it see the gospel picture of it and where god is leading you so that you won't give up Mm And, and see yourself, you know, so to speak, before the throne, perfect and holy and righteous and free from sin, knowing that's where God's going to lead you, knowing that the cross of Christ guarantees that final outcome. Mm-hmm. And see that big per, uh, perspective and not so much, not always just focusing on yeah. the moment to moment. And with that, it's, you know, we're appropriating all these things by faith. We have to go back to this element, and he brings it out several times about weak faith and strong faith. And he's saying that that it's just any faith dependent upon the Lord, the Lord blesses and will use. And so he makes this this point. He says, weakness with watchfulness will stand when strength with too much confidence fails. Yes. Weakness with acknowledgement of it, so you're acknowledging that you're weak, is the fittest seat and subject for God to perfect his strength in. 
For consciousness of our infirmities drives us out of ourselves to him in whom our strength lies. So when you feel weak, mm-hmm. weakened by sin, yeah. then that you're in the place for God to really work. That's right. If you're confident, like, I don't need God's help. Yeah. In essence, that's what you're saying. Uh, you will continue to fall and struggle in the same old ways. Yep. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Good stuff. Anything else on that? Nope. I think that's it. Well, we hope this conversation has been helpful for you. We appreciate everyone listening to it. And we pray that you grow more and more in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the podcast, uh, consider giving us a review and a rating, sharing it with your friends. We always love to hear from our listeners. I actually just got a text while we're recording this wow, saying I enjoyed the last podcast. Nice. So you know who you are. Shouts out to you. But we love to listen to or love to hear from our listeners. If you're part of our church, you can do that. Just send us a text. Uh, talk with us on a Sunday morning and throughout the week. Give us a call. Or you can send us an email at thecalvarycast at gmail.com. Email us your feedback, questions, or topics you may want us to tackle. Follow us on the socials, Instagram and Twitter, at thecalvarycast. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of his people, and the Great Commission. So until next time.